Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Johnny Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's pitch. It's high out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, we've got Jeremiah Stoddard along with my buddy Jonathan Williams here. Going to be a loaded episode for you tonight. Uh, we're really excited to bring it to you. Spring is in the air is what we called it last year when we did something similar to this. This time, you know, it's a little different. There's a lot more going on uh, than we dealt with last year, I think. So we got the NFL Combine starting up tomorrow um, that Georgia is highly represented at this year with 14 participants in the, the combine, I should say. I don't know if I said that right a second ago, the combine um, coming up soon. So starting tomorrow through the 6th. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a lot there. We'll kind of give you some players that have a chance to really make themselves some money um, or potentially hurt their cases or something like that. You know, there's a lot to go into it. Got spring position battles coming up with Georgia football as well as spring practice is getting closer and closer. And then one of our new segments that we love to do, which is King of the Hill. This time it's going to be around centered around the best wide receiver to play at Georgia. So I'm excited to bring all of those to you. Jonathan, I know you're excited too. You kind of helped organize all this stuff like always. Um, so I'll let you kind of start out with, you know, we're going to start with spring football. What's a position group um, or a couple players or something that you're kind of really looking for to, to lay everything out this spring to decide where they're going to stand come fall camp? I don't know if I can rank specifically one position um, that necessarily needs to get figured out during spring this year, but you definitely have a lot of them. You've got a lot of positions to figure out. There's going to be a lot of position battles going on this spring. It's going to be a pretty chaotic spring in general. You got a new DB coach coming in. You got um, Schumann filling in a new position kind of as well with the departure of Dan Lanning. Um, you got um, a new offensive line coach. You got Searles um, coming in as well. So you got a lot of new faces coming in, getting adjusted, getting to know their players, figuring everything out, getting their feet wet a little bit in Athens, of course. Um, and then also just, I mean, you got new players going to get in the rotation. You got a Brock Vandergriff. You got a Carson Beck that got another year under their belt. Stetson Bennett coming back. A quarterback is a big position to watch um, this spring just because yeah, Stetson was the guy last year. He is the guy returning. He's the one that led you to a national championship, of course. But there's a lot of snaps we have, and there's a big battle there because Carson Beck, for one, even though people have kind of written him off yeah. since last season after his um, after kind of what happened during the week of UAB last year, people have kind of written him off, and I don't know why. He's a talented individual. He wants to battle just as much as anybody, and yeah. he, of course, thinks that that position is just as much as his as anybody else's. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then, of course – 
I think if I had to pick one, another one that's going to be big to figure out is who's going to be opposite of Keely Ringo in the defensive um, back area, of course, because Keely Ringo was your guy beside Darian Kendrick last year. Now you got to figure out some other guys that can go along the side of that. I think Nylon Green, Kamari Laster are two guys that you can name for that spot. There's going to yeah. be a lot of bodies back there. You got, you're got you adding in Tyke Smith as well. you got to figure out where you maybe want to put William Poole so you can kind of test out some things in the defensive secondary as well. But overall, it's just going to be chaos, and I'm here for it during the springtime. I think GNA is going to be super fun to watch um, this year. Absolutely. And as far as the quarterback stuff goes, I think it's it's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I don't think anything's 100% decided necessarily on there. Um, but at the same time, I think you, for obvious reasons, you've got to give the edge to you know the returning starter from your national championship team. So he's going to have the edge. It's probably going to be difficult for somebody to beat him out, but I think how it plays out this spring is going to you know decide if you see somebody start transferring out or that kind of thing it's going to start to shape the career paths of some of these young men that are potentially behind him and see how that plays out at corner is an interesting one for sure uh when you're looking at defensive backs this year for georgia entirely there's a lot of talented guys that are leaving like you said there's got to be a spot somewhere for tyke smith he's got to have a spot whether or not they put him at safety because think about lewis scene's gone so there is a spot there he didn't really play like He's more of a star type defender, so I think that's where they try to stick at him. And UGA maybe for sure at UGA for sure. Maybe they try to stick a William Poole or somebody at you know the second safety spot with Chris Smith, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of see how it goes that way. I think they've got to try to figure that side out. Um, you, you know, with you got some young guys to step in at corner is going to be nice to see the positions that I'm really focused on is kind of what you said too. You got a brand new offensive line coach. I'm looking at the offensive line in a couple areas. First spots, you got to look at the offensive guard and then offensive tackle. You know, you've got some young guys that stepped up late last year. Think about Broderick, who stepped up at the end of the season in a national championship game and played lights out at left tackle. So you have to assume that he's probably locked down the left tackle spot or one of the tackle spots. But you still have Warren McClendon, who stuck around this year, and then you have guys that are just knocking on the door, just trying to get into that spot. And you got a Mary Sims, super talented guys behind them as well. You got a Mary Sims who's been on the roster for a few years that is gonna be really battling for that. Offensive guard's gonna be extremely interesting too, because yeah. you've got to think, you know, well, you know, Tate Radlich is taking his spot back when he comes back. You would I, think, but you would I mean, assume still being, it is a new offensive being line away coach. from football for that amount of time. It it takes a lot for you to get back into shape, and so that's also snaps that you're missing out on in the springtime. And you never know what can happen. Just like you never know what can happen. Just think JT last season. I mean, yeah. he had that injury. Nobody thought that that was going to set him back to the second spot on the QB depth chart when it was all said and done. But yet it did. Stetson Bennett answered the call when he was needed, and. He took over the job, and he was the guy that got all the fame and glory when UGA won the national championship. So you just never know what can happen when your position isn't – like when you're not in your position, when you're t- and you're not on the football field competing. Now, I, Tate Rowledge obviously was the guy last year. You would think that, yes, he would be the guy when he is healthy, when he gets back into shape, and when it is his time to return to the lineup. But then again, you, you just never know what could happen in the springtime, and you just never know like if someone steps up when, when they're needed or someone – is the one that someone who takes advantage of those snaps that they are given in the springtime. You just never know what could happen. Like we said, there's a lot of talented individuals on the offensive line. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see. Another interesting part of spring also is you got to figure out who you're putting opposite side of Nolan Smith as well. It was huge that you got Nolan Smith back because if you were going to have to replace Trevon Walker and Nolan Smith, along with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt in your defensive line unit, that was going to be a lot to, it was a big blow to your depth chart, of course, but 
then again, um, Trey Scott's done a tremendous job with his defensive line. He's really beefed it up. You got guys like Jalen Carter, Jamal Walthour, and just a, too many names to name almost, of course. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the other edge rushing position, who gets snaps there. And yeah, like I said, it's it's going to be a chaotic spring. There's going to be a lot of things going on. It's it's, it's just going to be chaos. So so who do you with, with that last one right there? Is there a guy that you have in mind by chance of like who might have like an edge at the edge rushing position to go side by side with Nolan? That's kind of a on the spot question. We didn't talk about that yeah, too much before, oh but um, put you on the spot. But I mean, it's kind of hard to answer right now too. We haven't really seen spring ball kind of playing out how yeah. all that's coming. A lot of these young guys will start to make a name for themselves soon. So. I honestly have no idea. That's a that is a great question, and you did put me on the spot. But um, and I I should be more informed than I am acting right now, of course. But I don't know. I think there's obviously that defense is loaded. You had another defensive loaded class this year in the 2022 recruiting cycle as well. So there's a lot of big names there, and I think there's going to be a lot of rotation there as well. And I don't know. That's a that's a great question, and um, I think it was get a lot of different packages though, maybe as well. Um, you know, they kind of rotate a good bit on the defensive side of the football. Of course, they rotated a good bit on defensive line. Part of that was because Jordan Davis was not a three down player, but um, that that's a name right there that we have in the comment section right now. Smile Mondon, maybe that's another name to throw out there. Jalen Walker, possibly kind of guys. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. I think also you have to consider of like. With how UGA uses their outside linebackers as well, they play a huge part in rushing the edge as well. Um, you see that with Robert Beal, who's, who's he's kind of listed as that outside linebacker guy. He rushes the edge a lot. He played a big part in that. So it'll just kind of depend. So I can't really give you a name right now, but it'll definitely be something to watch as well. And we'll start to get deeper into that kind of stuff. Like I said, we're still a little while out of actual spring ball kind of getting going. You know, April, late April is when the G-Day game is going to be. At that point is when you'll really see how it's kind of playing out, who starts lining up on, you know, you know, first string, second string kind of thing when you start seeing how that game goes. Another name that just popped up, Michael Williams. That was the guy I was trying to look for in my mind. He's a guy that's coming in this yeah. class, and that dude is a freak athlete. So he's definitely someone I think could earn some – earn some minutes at that edge rushing position as well. I was trying to think of the guy in my head, so I was just kind of <laughs> running along with it, but then it finally came to my mind. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I no, had to you're get good. that in there. You're good. So, so but, but that's a name to keep that in mind. If you're listening right now, keep that in mind as we get towards the next few episodes mm-hmm. of it. We'll restart looking at, at, at some point, we're going to go into our potential breakout players, direct breakout players um, that we're going to be watching come like G-Day and stuff like that. So we get deeper into all of that as we go through. This is a, the first episode where we're going to really talk spring ball. But it definitely won't be the last for obvious reasons. And we'll get deeper, you know, perspectives on everything and and a little bit more, you know, content behind it as well. So stick with us on that for a little while and we'll kind of, you know, bring a lot more for you. Um, But I mean, overall, I think it's an exciting team to to prepare for. You're coming off of a national championship. You've got to expect these guys to be ready to work. Um, I'm really excited to see what, you know, the offensive line can look like, the quarterback spot. You know, even wide receiver is going to be a competitive yeah, Eric Gilbert back. That's hey, Eric Gilbert's coming back. So you, you just got a lot of names in there as well. It'll be interesting to see the kind of packages that they start to use. You know, Brock Bowers is not going to be participating in spring this year. So that's a lot of snaps for Darnell Washington yes, to get at tight end. Maybe you get to mix in Eric Gilbert there a lot. Oscar Delt might earn some, uh, is of course going to get a look at tight end as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Again, Munkin is just a mastermind when it comes to offense. So I'm sure he'll have some crazy packages lined up for those type of guys where you just have 
mountains of human beings lined up at your wide receiver position. It'll be interesting also to see how guys like Adonai Mitchell take another yeah. step forward in his next season as well. He ended off on a good note with UJ, of course. He caught um, the big touchdown pass from Stetson in the national championship, of course. So it'll be interesting to see how they take that leap forward. Guys like uh, Adonai Mitchell and whatnot. So, yeah, wide well, receiver. Him, Lad McConkey. Yeah. These guys are going to actually the have list more goes time. on and yeah, on and on. Yeah, you can keep talking. There, there's a, a long arm-length list it's like a CVS receipt. Yeah. You know, when you get a CVS receipt, that thing just keeps on printing and it's so slow. That's basically what UGA spring like itinerary is. It's just like it that keeps wide on receiver position out. is is deep, man. It, I mean, is. it is. Well, but this is this is something that Georgia fans have to get used to, um, where you see all of these big names that you're like, oh well, that's gotta be the guy, right? No, because there's another guy that's pretty much just as big of a name that's right behind him on the depth chart that's going to be competing. That's This is what you get when you start seeing all of these four and five stars on the roster uh, every single year. When Kirby Smart's recruiting at the level where he's got a top three recruiting class every single year for the past five, six years, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be cutthroat. With that, though, last week we talked about like the new normal of college football around you know the transfer portal, NIL stuff, all that kind of thing. It's going to be something you've got to get used to where you're going to see big-name players leaving programs like a national championship Georgia after spring ball. Yeah. You're going to see it. I think the offensive line is one you're going to see it regardless because I, there's so many there's names. so many dudes in there, man. They, there's so many guys in there that have put in the work guys for that two, be playing, three seasons. Guys that would be playing on a lot of other college football teams. Almost right any other college. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you've got all that kind of stuff. So you're going to start seeing what others will call, and I know Brooks Austin has mentioned it as attrition. You expect attrition at different positions um, throughout you know, the team in general. So that's, that's the new normal of college football as well. When you have the opportunity for them to go through spring practice and then transfer you know, May 1st or something like that if they want to, to go somewhere else because they found out, guess what? I'm not first on the depth chart. I'm not second on the depth chart. Maybe I'm third on the depth chart, but they're a huge recruit. You know, they're a five-star, four-star recruit. So they're going to go somewhere where they can play, and that's something that you just got to get used to. It's It might look bad for the game for some people, thinking that, well, they're not wanting to stick it out and fight and wait their turn. It's not for everybody. These kids are out here to try to step their game up to get to the next level, which is the NFL. And if they don't feel like they're going to get the playing time they need in a timely manner – at UGA, they're going to go somewhere where they think they can because they're dealing with the rest of their life, not just the next three, four years that you're going to be cheering for them as a fan of college football. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, also with how well UGA recruits, it's so easy to forget guys that have been on the roster for a good amount of time as well. When you got all these flashy five stars coming in and you got these big names that you've been itching to see on campus finally, it's easy to forget guys that have been on the roster for one or two years. They've been waiting their turn and springtime is when they're finally going to get that turn and try and stamp their name into one of those top spots on the depth chart. So it's kind of like a mix of things because you're going to be hearing about those freshmen. You're going to be hearing about those early enrollees that have been on campus already. But then you're also going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. I forgot about that guy, wide receiver. I forgot about that linebacker that we've been – just take like – Channing Tindall, for example, a guy that absolutely waited his turn oh, yeah. at UGA, was on the roster, did not have a major role in the defense really until his final season this last year at UGA, and just absolutely exploded onto the scene. Oh yeah, looking at a like a third round draft pick now, of course, and if he sh- shows up in the NFL Combine, like I think he will, it could even climb up a little bit even more. So that'll also happen in spring. So spring is just a it's it's a crazy time just because there's a lot of names being thrown at you, there's a lot of different uh, questions being asked, a lot of things happening. People are going to get dinged up probably as well So there's kind of like George Pickens was the guy last year that um got hurt in spring and he had to miss out the entire season. So 
it's just a lot that'll be thrown at you and you just got to kind of roll with it. And it's, it'll yeah. be a fun time though. I mean, it provides us with a good bit of content. Like oh, yeah. we said, it's, it's CVS receipt long. So well, we're ready for it. So absolutely. And we'll think about, cause you mentioned like names that you might've forgotten and stuff like that. But think about this season or the past few seasons, William Poole was a name that he's been around for a few seasons yep. and all of a sudden late in the season, the last couple of games of the season, he made a name for himself again. Yep. And all of a sudden you're seeing him as a starter, you know, going into a national championship game. And all of a sudden now he's coming back another year and you've got to find somewhere to put him just like you got to find somewhere to put Tyke Smith. Problem is you can only find a spot to put so many guys. You can only have 11 on the field at a time and you can cycle people through a lot, which is what Georgia's defense has done a good bit, especially at that, you know, front seven. Um, You see a lot of cycling at positions and stuff like that. So a lot of guys get on the field but they may not get as much time as they feel like they should. And if that's the case, they decide to go somewhere else. It is what it is. But it's it like you said, it's constant content because somebody's always looking for something that's going to be work better for them, which means we get to sit here and talk about it. Yeah, somebody's going to be flashing. Somebody might be falling down the depth chart. It's just how spring football goes. But, of course, like we've mentioned, Channing Tindall with the NFL Combine, there's a litany of UGA football players that are going to be participating in the NFL Combine, which starts tomorrow. Um, so, it's going to be exciting to watch as a UGA fan to be looking at these guys, um, see how they perform. NFL Combine is just interesting in general because you get all these measurables. You finally yeah. get like – because if you ever look on UGA's like roster online, their heights and weights are always so messed up. that It's not reliable at all. So it's kind of hard. Any to, team, man. It's so hard to know how tall a Jordan Davis actually is, how much he actually weighs or how – like and et cetera. You get hand measurements, you get 40 yard times, you get all kinds of stuff. And so it's just football galore. And you finally get like a good scattering report on these guys. You get a good idea of how they're matching up with everybody else. So there's 14 UGA football players. There it's are. the most in, amongst all college football programs this year. And I believe it was one or two shy of LSU's record for most um, any time in the NFL combine to have that many guys invited. Yeah. So, and it's three ahead of Alabama and Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think they both came in with 11 guys. That mm-hmm. list of players, I'll read off the names because I would love to call it all from memory, but there's 14 of them. <laughs> I would miss somebody or something like that. So I've got a yeah, list right here. That. You got Devontae White, uh, Zamir White, Trayvon Walker, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Justin Schaefer, Jamari Sawyer, George Pickens, Darian Kendrick, Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, James Cook, Louis Seen, and Jake Camarda, all going to the combine starting tomorrow. Um, Obviously, a lot of defensive names on that list, as expected after the season yeah. that they had. Defensive line and linebackers go on Saturday. George Pickens will be going tomorrow. He's the only guy going yep. tomorrow because tomorrow wide is receivers. quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers. Yeah. He's the only one from EJ of that bunch. But it's an interesting one, especially after the comments he made today because you know they all take the stand. They do their interviews. They get asked questions and whatnot. So George Pickens, of course, was asked his questions. And he's predicting that he'll run a 4-3, 4-4, 40-yard dash time and that he will prove to NFL teams that he's worth a first-round pick, which is interesting because right now he's hovering around that second-round pick area, which is good considering where he was where he was a year ago. Like we said, he I mean, this time, like probably a few weeks after this week, he, yeah. was, he had a torn ACL. It was almost a year ago, yeah. Almost. And he was looking at missing the entire football season, wasn't even going to play a snap. Luckily, he was able to get at least a few more games under his belt, make some flash plays like he did in the national championship, like a 56-yard reception, diving catch, showing showing his ex, ex, uh, ex, like insane range as a yeah. wide receiver like he always does. It seems like every time he touches the ball, it's a flash play. So it, if he runs a 4-3-4-4, you could definitely see him jump up 
those draft rankings, of course, at his position. But there's so many guys. I mean, you got Drake London, you got Chris Olave, um, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, John Mechie. There's so many guys in this class at the wide receiver position. So it might be a little difficult for him to crack that first round because you're probably not. He's currently like tenth, I believe, amongst most NFL draft analysts. And it, you're probably not going to see 10 wide receivers selected in the first round. But there's nothing yeah. wrong with Pickens being a second-round draft pick, especially because – But the point of it, though, is you, you if he does what he's saying he's going to do and he shows that type of speed, at that point he might jump a couple of those names and all of a sudden maybe he can be. But well, right guy, now Mel Kuyper, what we looked at it earlier, I think he was ninth on the list for Mel yeah. Kuyper. Um, but, like, he's going to have to have that performance. Well, you got to think, too, like, what's the biggest question surrounding him right now, especially after any player – um, suffers from an ACL tear. It's about explosiveness. It's about speed. Did any of that take a hit from that injury? So if he can prove that that didn't, and then he can go out there show his insane hands, just natural talent for a wide receiver, that's a pick all NFL teams are going to bet on every single day, especially yeah. in this era of college football. You're, it's it's wide receiver galore. You're chucking it sixty percent of the times for most NFL teams. Yeah, which it, part of this segment that we wanted to talk about was like the players that needed to have a breakout perform or a big performance at this you know, NFL combine over the next couple of days. My guy that I was going with is George Pickens for that reason, right? Like, because he is borderline first first round. He didn't really play this year. He's only got two full years of, like, game tape at Georgia, and one of those years was shortened with COVID in general. He mm-hmm. still played 11 games, 12 games, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but um, a good enough number of games to put it together that season. But it, it, he's a guy that you've got to watch for the 40-yard to see what his straight line speed is. But I think something else that they're going to really be looking at is like the three cone and stuff like that, where he shows that change of direction and that he looks comfortable on it. The biggest piece of it is going to be that medical evaluation that he has though. I think that's, that's why I say that his performance on the field at the NFL combine isn't as important as whatever comes back on that, because that's what, that's what got Aziz Ojolari last year. He dropped from what was expected to be somewhere in the top 15 picks of the draft to all of a sudden he's a second rounder. Well, it's crazy, too, because it, it's things like hand size that makes a quarterback's draft stock drop. Like, if you have small hands, it's almost like, all right, kick him off the board. We don't want him anymore. It's That's crazy. Kenny Pickett's like, this year, by the way. I've already <laughs> seen comments on that. If you're from, if yeah. you're in here and you're from the Discord family with Brooks Austin's Patreon and everything like that, you know all about the, the hand size jokes yeah. that we've made on there. But that's that's Kenny Pickett's this year. That's the comments I've already seen about him. So we'll see how he measures in tomorrow. And it's crazy things that are like that. It seems like that are that small of a detail can make your draft stock plummet so dramatically. But it is like it's every single detail that they are paying attention to because like these draft picks, like it's a huge deal, especially when you're like you got a top ten pick. You are trying to rebuild your roster um, and trying to get back into that competitive state of the league. So it's crucial that you nail all of your top at least three or four round picks. So it's, you don't want to miss out on anybody. And so it's small details like that that can just kick you on down the board and you get passed up on. And next thing you know, you're sitting in the second round when you thought you were going to be a top 15 pick. So, yeah, definitely that medical evaluation for Pickens will be huge because, like we said, Aziz Ojolari seemed like a, a, um, a lock for like a top He 10, definitely was a lock pick. for the first round. Yeah, yeah. top 15 for a good while. And then yeah. all of a sudden there were some questions about his knees and his ability to bend, and next thing you know, he's in the second round. But, of course, he he's killed so it this year in his rookie year with the Giants. He so. did, and if you watched any of his tape you know, in his last season and stuff, the bend and stuff, I don't know why that was a question. If you hadn't seen him bend the edge and the, that speed rush around the corner and just getting after the quarterback, like he showed he could do it. I don't understand where that came into such a concern when he was 
obviously doing it. Maybe and that the, wasn't a recent injury. It was like a few years like, Maybe prior, they were just so. spreading rumors. So he would, like, there's always, that there's talk about No, that, that really happens. I mean, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a big part of what got to it. I think a lot of people started hearing the rumors of it and they were like, you know, I don't want to take that or risk. Or you can put that second thought in anybody's mind and make them second guess on that pick and be like, oh, I think we'll go this other route and we'll take well, this Well, because there's, there's always that second guy on the list, right? Yeah. That they're looking at that, like, there's not always a massive separation between, like, the level of play that those players will give you. But something like that sticks up and you're like, I'd rather go with this other guy. I don't have that same concern about him, but I feel like they're pretty close to the same level. They're about, like, right here. So yeah. then all of a sudden you see them go for the other guy, which I think mm-hmm. is exactly what happened to Aziz. Uh, my guy for who I think um, needs to have a big showing at the NFL Combine, I, I mentioned Zamir White. I think Zamir White's a guy that could use a big showing at the NFL Combine. He's probably floating around the fourth or fifth round um, draft pick right now just because, you know, teams have been more reluctant to pick running backs, especially in the first round and even the second round just because they don't last too long in the league anymore, and so teams aren't yeah. willing to use one of those top-round picks anymore. you got to be the you got to be like the flashy, big – like putting yeah. up – 1,500 yards that rushing, you know that for kind of fact thing for are going to be round. immediate contributors on your football roster. You need a Saquon Barkley-type player. Exactly, which Zamir White is not that, especially when you add into the fact that he's had two ACL tears and yeah. one in each knee, too. That raises a lot of concerns. But he can go out, if he can go out in the combine and he can just have a great showing, he can do pretty good in the 40-yard. He's not the fastest for a running back, of course. That's not really his style of running. But if he can show good strength, change of direction, like we said, with like things like the three-cone drill, and just kind of show his versatility as a running back as well, um, I think that could bump him up a little bit. And a good showing from him might get him up into that maybe a late second-day pick, maybe, yeah. or in the third round or so, possibly. I think a big showing for him. And also someone else is Channing Tindall. I mentioned him as well. Um, like we said, he bursted onto the scene at UGA this year. He had a great season for them. And it was a guy that kind of flew under the radar for a good bit. And then finally, when it was his time to shine, he did absolutely that. So um, I think if he can really display his speed, which he has a lot of, you've seen how he attacks the football on the football field. Um, he's at, he's got great change of direction. He's just explosive. That's what It finishes off plays what, really well. He's a great tackler. He's got great film in general during his time at UGA. But I think if he can put on a good performance as well, you can see his draft stock um, go up a few ticks as well just because – linebackers in general in the NFL teams need them and especially oh, yeah. guys like who are bona fide tacklers guys that have are solid technique wise and you're going to get that from a guy like who played linebacker at the University of Georgia you know how it goes with those guys at least we do Glenn Schumann yeah. and Dan Lanning have been putting in work with those dudes and if you play linebacker at UGA you're going to be playing on Sundays and Channing Tindall will be one of those guys oh he'll definitely play on Sundays and yeah I think he's a guy that could make himself a lot of money if he shows out that like that extra speed we've seen a lot of bursts from him mm-hmm. like you can watch plenty of tape to see that he's got burst and he just just goes sometimes like against uh one play against Tennessee I remember as soon as the quarterback rolled to the right side of the pocket as soon as he crossed that right tackle Channing was sitting there kind of spying kind of thing and as soon as he crossed that right tackle he was just gone and he got there in no time and it was just the quarterback had no ability to evade it or try to even get rid of the ball. He just had he was a sitting duck. I think he did the same thing, I want to say against Auburn um late in that game yeah. as well. But it was it was a lot of stuff like that. So he can go out there and show off that athleticism in the combine and really jump himself up the board as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few guys on this list that you already they they don't have to go out there to make themselves more money. They got to go out there and just be consistent to be able to maintain the position they've earned at this point. Pencil you got your, themselves in pretty yeah, much. You just gotta you gotta make sure that you pencil yourself into that top 15, top 30, you know, first round pick kind of thing. But there are four guys 
on this roster from Georgia going to, you know, the combine that have the chance to lock in that spot. You know, you've got your obvious guys, Nicobe Dean, you know, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, and then you've got Devontae Wyatt. So all four of those guys right now are going to this combine to lock in and solidify their first round draft pick status. Yeah, Jordan Davis of the NFL Combine is must-see TV. I am so excited to see him. Run. I want to see his 40. That's good. so bad. I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because that dude moves. I, I mean, he's a big dude, of course. Everybody knows that much about him. But I don't think people un- – because, like, you don't really ever see Jordan Davis in open space just running for his life. But we've seen we've seen him chase down running backs at the edge or quarterbacks at the edge where he just shoots out of a cannon from the middle of the defense right there at the line and just gone yeah. out of nowhere. Like, it's – You've seen that speed, so I'm so excited to see what type of number he actually puts up because I think it's going to be, like, jaw-dropping. I really do. I think you're right. I mean, it's on record that he hit 18 miles per hour at one point during his time at UJ. So that that's quite impressive if you aren't aware of um, of that. That is very impressive for a man of his size. <clears throat> so that would be like 360 <clears throat> pounds. Just, like. just a mountain of a man moving at 18 miles per hour. No big deal. Imagine getting hit by that on the football field. You, you see that person crashing in on you, coming in. Lord, I would probably Even if die. he doesn't hit you hard. If he just lands on you. Jesus. Jesus. Running like, at that speed, he could stick his finger out and he would break my back. Probably. Oh, yeah. He'd just bend me in half. Well, like, you and I are not cut out. it like a lawn chair. You and I are not cut out for no. you know college football or NFL football based on our Even though you try to get me to go try out for the Listen, man, I really, I really thought we were going to be able to get it done. No, we even offered, like, even Brooks and other people, We, I think you were offered two to three hundred dollars to go try out for Georgia's football no, team you. being a full-time UGA no, student you. and you wouldn't do it not even for the content of no, it. You know how good that would have been no it's it's it, no it was never going to happen and especially the fact that you thought I was going to be able to go in there and film myself I didn't say you film yourself we could have somebody film you no no oh, I was, there was, I was no shot of it happening especially after hearing the horror stories that Chris, Chris said he would film yeah <laughs> after hearing Chris's horror stories of him being a part of the UGA football staff and what he's having to do in practice yeah no thank you I will stick to the basketball court and shooting a basketball. Hey, I will say this, though. If they do open up trials for basketball and you don't go try out, I'll swing on I'd it. kick myself, all right? If I didn't take advantage of that opportunity, I mean. This man's I'd got buckets and he's got the size. I mean, he yeah. can dunk. It's, like, come on, man. Might need to work on that basketball vocabulary, vocabulary a little bit. But, um, <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> but, I'll give you that. Yeah. Wasn't going to happen. I would not be someone to watch the NFL come on. Maybe I, you, I'd be someone to watch the NFL come on just to show you how ridiculous he, of like how good of athletes these dudes are and how freakish they are. Because just go out and have you just do all of the the drills from it just to see yeah. like how freaky athletic you these know, guys like are. how in that um, kind of people say how they want like a just a regular Joe out in the Olympics to show you how difficult those events are. Just that to show be, you how like that would be me in the ahead. NFL yeah. combine. Like, all right, here's some nobody from the University of Georgia who's going to run the forty yard event and do bench press. What's the dude that always runs the forty? Is it Rich? Um, I said, what's his name? The dude I don't know. he always runs the forty yard dash. He's like one of the commentators or analysts. He always runs the forty yard dash. It's always fun to watch. But he's actually fairly quick. It's kind of surprising. And he's an older guy, too. It's He moves. Yeah, I don't know. It's always fun to watch, though. <clears throat> but, yeah, so Saturday will be the really big day for UJ fans to watch just because, like we said, you're going to have Devontae Wyatt. You're going to have Jordan Davis. You're going to have all of your linebackers going that day. And there's a bunch of them going as well. So it'll just be – Really fun weekend, and you're kind of uh, like we've been. We haven't had college football since the national championship, so this is kind of like a glimpse into that. You get to relive it a little bit. Um, you, you get to fixate back on that um, withdrawal that you probably are having from college football. So you get to watch those guys one last time before they're officially a part of the NFL. 
Um, so just great to reminisce on that and see where they land and see how draft stocks jump up, see how they drop off. It, it'll be a lot. To, it'll be a lot to consume, but it'll just be really interesting. I love the NFL Combine as well. Just great events. Um, really get to see like without because it's one thing to watch them on the football field with um, pads on. It's another thing to see them just like out there. You get to really just see how big of like, like big of human, human beings they yeah. are. Yeah. Everything about them, you just really get to see up close and personal. So. It puts metrics to, you know, what you see. Like you actually see how fast these guys are running, yeah. how quick their change of direction, you know, their verticals and like how big these guys are, like how much they can do even with that size. Like thinking of Jordan Davis, it's going to be exciting to see what he can actually do. And the NFL takes a, a huge view of this and it's a very important uh, performance thing. They are, they are really big on the size measurables and mm-hmm. speed, like that kind of stuff, because you can't teach those things. They feel like they can teach them how to play coverage a little bit better or, you know, that kind of stuff. They can't teach you to be a 4-3 guy. That's where guys like Quay Walker are going to benefit hugely from oh, yeah. because he's just a lengthy guy, got good size, good speed. Everything about him screams of an NFL linebacker. So he's going to benefit greatly from that. That's another guy I'm interested to see, um, see where his measurables line up at, where his like wingspan is and whatever else. Just another freak athlete from the University of Georgia, of course. So, yeah, guys like him, this is a great event for them because they really just get to put it on paper of like, yeah, I'm that dude. I'm a guy that you need to be taking on your NFL roster. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's going to be fun to watch how all of it plays out. I think he's a guy that could really go out there and make – he's another guy you could put on that list of guys to really watch. Yeah, he could go out there. He could go out there and make himself a lot of money because he has those sizes and that, that size, that measurables, like the speed, the things that you can't just teach. And so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for him. I'm, overall, I'm excited to watch Georgia, you know, all the 14 of the Georgia player, even Jake Camarda. I want to see what he does out there, you know, because he's booming them throughout the season. <laughs> see what he can do when he's, you know, without I love pads. that punters get to go to the combine. That's just it's so interesting. great. Because yeah. what are the odds that a team's actually going to draft a punter? You know, it could be the Buccaneers. They took a That's kicker fair. in the second round, and boy, did that – wow, that backfired hugely. I don't know why, why anyone would ever – make. Well, yeah. Buccaneers pre-Tom Brady was a horrific sight for sure, especially I – don't, I don't know what in your mind – You're talking about – are you talking about the dude from FSU? Yeah. Aguayu or whatever. Yeah, I don't was. even know that he made it a full season with them after being selected. I think he, he was, was one of those guys that, like, was insane in college. Yeah. But then as soon as he switched levels, like, I don't know if it was a mental thing for him or what because kicking is extremely mental. Um, and so that might've got to him, but I know exactly who you're talking about. I remember that too. Yeah. It did not play out. That's why you don't see them draft guys like that. It's, it's kind of a wasted draft pick because there's a lot of guys that can do it and they can get them as, you know, undrafted free agents. But who knows? Maybe Jake Carmada is this year's Mr. Irrelevant. You never know. He could be the last pick in the draft. A guy takes a shot in the dark on a really if good you get partner. a draft. You're going to go seventh round. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, he was really great at Georgia. I mean, he was he played a big part for UJ this last season. People talked about having great field position for UJ. I think they were the best in the nation in, in that statistical category. Oh, yeah. Part of that is because Jay Carmada was pinning their opponents deep in their own territory every single time, the few times that he was punting the football. So he, he – um, and it, it was even interesting enough that he did not qualify for – I think it's the Ray Guy Award for um, punters – he didn't even qualify for it because he didn't have enough punts in the regular season to be qualified. Jordan's for offense he didn't was have the mi- he didn't have the minimum that number was such of punts crap. for him to be qualified for the award. I forgot about that, but still, nonetheless, when but he, he was leading like the nation in, in net yards. I believe, yeah, in net yards, punt. just technically didn't have enough attempts to qualify. Yeah, so maybe he gets picked up in the seventh round. That'd be kind of funny to see. But um, so maybe another like uh, he goes on Sunday. Punters go on Sunday. They go on the last day of the draft along with defensive backs. So we'll get to see him and Darian Kendrick on the final day of the NFL Combine. So 
Yeah. I should have looked it up. I didn't even think about it until now, but I, I wonder how many act, like punters actually got invites to I have no idea. the combine. There can't be that many. So he's, he's one of a select few. So like he's a guy, if you're at the combine, then you're a guy that could potentially get that seventh round draft pick because there's not many of them that get that invite. Yeah. Uh, you never know. So you'll you see. You never know. But so now that we've kind of just completely covered the entire NFL combine in regards to players that you think maybe need to watch, guys that need to have a great performance. And then also we've covered spring football. We, t- we gave you a preview into that about how chaotic it's going to be. Tons of position battles to look out for. But we mentioned George Pickens a good bit in the NFL Combine. So this transitions us into our next and final segment of the show. It's become a favorite of ours, and it is King of the Hill. And if you don't know what King of the Hill is, it is the opinion you're willing to die on a hill defending. And this week it is who is the most talented wide receiver to ever play at Georgia, and is it George Pickens? George Pickens had a three-year career at UGA. Now it was cut short a good bit, one because of COVID, and then also you add in an ACL tear. But, boy, did he put up some, like, ridiculous numbers in some games. He was a flash player all over the field, just made your jaw drop every single time he touched the football. Immensely talented, uber-talented individual. Is he the most talented, Jeremiah, in your opinion, to See, ever play at the University of Georgia? you had to word it the way you did and say, like, the most talented in general. There's like, a difference, though. because There is a difference. I, there's a difference between saying, who's your favorite wide receiver? Because that's, that's just purely opinion-based as well. Yeah. Which, th- this is opinion-based as well, but, like, everybody has their different, like, their heart connects to different people because of you know like personality whatever but when you say most talented to me you can go about it either way some people might go about it looking at stats some people might go about it just how they looked like on the field in general and then other people might just say like how did their legacy play out at the university of georgia like in in regards to time that they were at um the program and just in general how they looked on the football field so there's a lot of ways you can go at it and that's why i worded it this way of who's the most talented I, so who is it, in your opinion, Jeremiah? Who, who are you going with? All right, I'm going to go with the quick answer of uh, I have to say it's not George Pickens. Okay. And that's not a shot at him, but I think that's kind of because we weren't able to we weren't able to really see a full career out of him, to say, like, the talent. Like, we can, we can say what we saw his first two years, how good he was as a player, and we got to see him in a few games. I think technically he played five games – this season, mm-hmm. um, four or five games, I don't remember, one of those um, four games because he played Georgia Tech, the SEC championship game, and then the two uh, postseason mm-hmm. games. So he played four games. He had a total of five catches in those games. But his career at UGA, I think, is where you do have to look. I, I've got a combination of things, right? Like Because I'm with you. You can't just look at it as stats alone. you got to see well, the you field. Could. But you could, but that doesn't always tell the whole story unless you like dig deep into it. And everything. I'd tell you why you're wrong if you did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the thing of it is you got to go with, you know, the stats are a big piece, but then just the visual side of things that you saw and, you know, other things that play around it, right? George Pickens statistically had 90 receptions for 1,347 yards and 14 touchdowns during his 24 games in those three seasons. Don't know where he's going to get drafted yet. We'll see how that plays out and how it goes. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think that he's he, he's not the most raw athletic wide receiver that you've necessarily seen. If, the reason I say that is, to me, if you go with that view, it's more of a recency bias that you're going to look at it and you're going to say it's the most recent guy that you've seen on the field that has shown to be an elite wide receiver. He is an elite wide receiver. He's a top three in this discussion for me personally, maybe top four if you want to include you know another name in there, and I'll get to all those names as well. Um, but he's, I, I think I have to give the edge personally to AJ Green. 
AJ Green, between the statistics and then the visual side of it, he's leading the stuff. He doesn't technically lead UGA in all-time receiving stats necessarily. That's Terrence Edwards. Um, but Terrence Edwards had 3,000 yards total offense and or total uh, rece- reception yards. But he also played four seasons, whereas AJ had 400 yards less and seven touchdowns less over three seasons. And then if you take out the 1,000-yard season that Terrence Edward had, then over those three seasons, he only had 2,000 yards. Not to mention as well, A.J. Green also had, got suspended during his he final did. season as well. So that well, also- game count-wise, to be fair on that too, so uh, Terrence Edwards played 46 games and Green played 32. So in 32 games, even if you took an entire season away from Terrence Edwards, he played more games, like you said, than A.J. Green in that as well. Well, see, for me, I'm going about it as a different direction. I'm going with Heinz Ward. I like that opinion. answer, too. Just because you go look at his stat sheet. Just look it up. And it's crazy because a lot of people I don't think realize this, especially someone that's I didn't realize of my age, of our age, probably, just because we did not have the opportunity to watch Heinz Ward during his time. Was what, his last season was 97. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't even born yet. I, that was the year I was born. Three years after I was, I was a few born. months old. So I got a chance to kind of see him in the NFL, but towards the end of his NFL career. So I really never got to watch Heinz Ward. So I, but I can go on YouTube and look at his highlights. But just looking at his stat sheet, the dude played quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, and punt and kick returner at UGA. Mm-hmm. That's just – I mean, that that is insane. And he did pretty well as a, uh, as a quarterback. Now, he didn't blow you away or anything. I think he only threw like three touchdowns or something like that. But he was efficient. I think he had a 60% completion percentage with 72 completions and – 120 some odd like whatever um attempts total and then also in the running game here let me just pull it up so i can give you the exact numbers it's it's it i was just it was just crazy to me because like you hear heinz ward you just think of him as a wide receiver that was what he was dominantly known for in the nfl he was known for a kick returner as well in the nfl but while you're pulling this up let's see if i remember correctly because i was looking at his name too because obviously in this conversation you had to you talk try and impress everybody i'm gonna try to impress see how close right, i am let's see how bad he had you do. 204 rushing attempts just I want to say just over a thousand yards rushing in that time period, and total receptions he was over two thousand, not much over two thousand yards receiving, right during his career. You you pretty much you nailed it on the rushing attempts. How many yards per carry do you think he had average during his whole career? During his whole career, yeah. How many yards per carry? Something like four? No, five point two. Wow, you're quick. disrespecting this man. <laughs> I wow, was, I didn't want to do quick math. Yeah. I could have done quick math. So two hundred four rushing attempts, a thousand sixty six rushing yards, five point two yards per carry, and then yeah, he had one hundred forty four receptions, one thousand nine hundred sixty five yards, eleven receiving touchdowns, and then passing, he had nine hundred eighteen yards and three touchdowns and forty three games played during his time at UGA. There's three less than Terrence Edwards. So a heck of a career for UGA. He literally did anything and everything they needed him to. And that's why I think he is the most talented that's a wide fair receiver argument. to play at UJ. And uh, um, there's a lot of – because, like, there's a lot of perspectives you can take when looking at this question. Because you could also make the argument, well, A.J. Green had argu- had the most talented quarterback as well when he was at UJ. He, he had did. Matthew Stafford throwing to him. Now he also had freshman Aaron Murray – or I think he was a freshman during that time. I can't remember. But a young Aaron Murray throwing him the ball during his last yeah, season. Yeah, so A.J. Green was drafted in 2011. So his last season would have been 2010. And I think that would have been the fret. I want to say that would have been. I know it was a young. Year. It was a young Aaron Murray that was throwing to him. That something that these other wide receivers like they had to have been freshmen, like year. Terrence Edwards and like Heinz Ward did not have the opportunity to have on their yeah. roster. So you can you can throw that at you as well. It's really just a matter of opinion. But 
You also I, look at the different times of being played, right? Too. So you've got yeah. Terrence Edwards. We're talking the game about has played changed so his much. last year was ninety-seven. Yeah. You've got um, even um, I'm going to blank names real quick. Uh, AJ Green was like I said, he he got drafted in twenty eleven. You know, George Pickens is obviously your most recent. Um, Heinz Ward, you know, ninety-seven. Terrence Edwards. Terrence Edwards was I think he his last year was two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you're talking twenty years ago for two of those guys. And you're still talking more than a decade for one of the other ones. Yeah. It's a big difference in the game style. Well, while Heinz Ward Ward might be my guy for this topic, I think there is an argument to be made for George Pickens to be this guy. I think there is definitely an argument to be made that George Pickens is the most talented wide receiver to ever come through the University of Georgia. Just because, like I said, think about his first reception of his career was a diving catch against Murray State. Absolute full extension, put his body on the line, caught the, reeled in the football. Yep. His last catch, national champion, diving catch, 56-yard reception in the national championship against Alabama. Put UGA in great field position to get them in scoring position, I think, for the first time during the football game. It he, was early in the game. Yeah, it was a very was early one, play in that it game. It was one of the plays that kind of ignited UGA's offense for the first time and because yep. they, a lot of the time they were kind of cold and stuttering out a little bit. And so I think that there's – because he does so many things exceptionally well. I mean, there was the whole meme about how when JT Daniels was quarterback, it was F it. George Pickens is down there somewhere. That was the type of guy that he was at UGA. Now, that was the type of guy that A.J. Green was. Matthew Stafford and A.J. Green had that connection. It kind of seemed like Matthew Stafford was like, if all else fails, I chuck it with where number eight is, and he comes down with it because it's probably a 60-40, not a 50-50 ball. Yeah, And that's what we said about George Pickens as well. It's not really a 50-50 ball to George. It's like a 60-40 more so, or even higher. And you got to look at, when, in that case, like it, it's 60-40 as far as completion side of it, but like as far as the odds of throwing an interception are even lower, like because he's not, if he he's either going to catch it or he's going to make sure nobody else catches yeah. it because he was that physical. I, I give you that. Like I will give you that. Like George Pickens definitely has extreme amounts of talent. That's why he's in this conversation. I do think he deserves to be in the conversation. I might personally give the edge to somebody else, as you gave somebody else the edge as well. But I think it is fair. The problem with it for me is I have to sit back and, to me, I have to play the what-if game. Anytime I have to play the what-if game in in the argument of it is when I've got to kind of – it makes me take a half step back. Not a full step, but a half step back because we got to say the what-if he played all season this year. What if he had that? If he had that whole season, I think he would have probably made a – insane argument yeah. to be that guy. I, I, I think he would have. Absolutely. And I, yeah, like what if COVID never happened and he got that full season last year? So, I, and plus you got to also t- talk, think about how many quarterbacks he had to play with. He had to play with Jake Fromm. He had to play with JT Daniels. He had to play with Stetson Bennett. That's three different quarterbacks in three different seasons. Yep. So he had a lot thrown at him and I, it's still, it's just remarkable of what he did at UJ. And yeah, you, you can play the what if game. And you can also say like, well, look at what AJ Green did in the NFL. Look at what, and it's like first six and or seven Ford seasons. Did. He was a top two wide receiver for a good amount of time in the NFL. Yeah. Now he's kind of dropped off a bit as he's, he's aged a lot and of injuries, injuries and, stuff, and whatnot. Yeah. And you can also say, look at what Heinz Ward did in the NFL. But I was surprised by this. You know, we, th- we usually throw our King of the Hill topics out, kind of get a little tease on Twitter, post a question to the people. Not a single person said Terrence Edwards. Yet Terrence Edwards is the only UJ wide receiver to ever have a thousand yards Shame on you. in a single season. In fact, we had one guy that said it's AJ Green, and it's not even close. I think he said it like a gazillion leaps miles, and bounds, leaps ahead. and bounds, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That he said it, it's not even close that. that it's AJ Green. And then you had some people say it's definitely George Pickens, and then you had some people say it's Heinz Ward, but nobody said Terrence Edwards, and I was so which is shocking. That. that is the one receiver that's ever had a thousand yard receiving, like receiving 
season. Mm-hmm. And yet he wasn't on that list for the people that commented on there, which is one of those things that makes you go, is it included in the argument that what they did after college, right? You can't yeah. say that with George Pickens yet. We can have this conversation in five years and say, um, come back to this, you know, and say, all right, now what do we think that George Pickens had a chance to get to the NFL and we were able to see how he recovered from his knee and all of that good stuff there. Terrence Edwards didn't play in the NFL. He was undrafted, picked up by the Falcons, um, but he was only there for a very short period of time and then went off to play in like the Canadian Football League, I believe. But he didn't have that NFL career to really bank on. Heinz Ward had the NFL career, a great one as well. And then so did A.J. Green until he started dealing with more injuries and all that and getting a little bit older. So I think that's that's where it comes in is as a fan's perspective, because this is opinion-based, unless you look directly at the stats and kind of dive into it a little bit, which is what I tried to do a little bit of to give some perspective on it. It's still object, like it's still like a, an opinion. It, it, my opinion is that AJ Green is part of that. Does play in the fact that I got to see what he could do in the NFL. It well, does. I mean, yeah, AJ Green for me didn't start. Uh, but there he is, Tommy UJ. I was eight years old, and I was just getting into like. And you have to think about what's the college football knowledge of an eight year old. It's not too high. I can name you Matthew Stafford, No Sean Marino, and AJ Green, and that was about it. Like. So even like I really didn't get to like I watched him and I have some memories of him like of course I have the memory of him catching the making the one-handed catch against Colorado I have those memories but like I didn't get to really indulge in him like I did with uh a George Pickens now again George Pickens is not my selection but you have to think like it all just depends on like your era that you really grew up in. Like, of course, which is where you get that recency bias. That and that's why these about. topics are great because everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has a different way of looking at it. Just like you, you had a different way of looking at it. You were like, well, George Pickens didn't really put together like a complete career. Like you said, like if, what if maybe that changed it? Like, what if he had that, like you had to complete his one final season, maybe the discussion changes Yeah. or like so many other different things. And so everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has a different outlook on it. And so many people scale it on different things, whether it be statistics, whether it be like what I said about Heinz Ward of his pure athletic ability. That's like just talent in general, like how talented he was to be able to do so many different things as an athlete or whether it's just who was the most dominant. And that's when you play in like with A.J. Green. A.J. Green was probably the most dominant of the bunch, I would say, just purely off of skill and, of course, what he did during his time at UJ and what he continued to do in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but you got to look at the, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I guess, like you said, it's just, it comes down to your personal point of view. And at at the end of the day, that's all this conversation is, is the personal point of view of how you decide to do it. Um, Recency bias is an important thing. One thing I saw this the other day, and it's, it's kind of what helped me guide through this conversation today when I started looking through everything myself was so many times in sports, you, you see everybody go, the most recent history is the best in history, but it's, easy to do that because like you said we were younger when the other guys played even aj green is the closest because he was in 2010 you know it was well just think about like lebron versus michael jordan it's that whole conundrum of course because you got like guys who are probably around my age most of those people are probably going to say lebron james is the greatest of all time because their whole life watch that's their whole life they've grown up watching that they didn't grow up watching michael jordan all they can look at is reels on tiktok youtube whatever and you it's really not the same it is you still get to see how talented he is but at the same time it's just it's different because like it's, it's recency bias and it's what you've grown up knowing and that plays a big part in your opinions of course so i think the other part of like what i the reason i went with aj green on this was you know think about you can look at the statistics of it and what he was able to put together in just 3 seasons at uj was 
all impressive on its own. But then the eye test of it, if you go back and watch highlights, even if, because you and I didn't get to watch that, we watched it growing up, but not like as in depth as we would watch a game at this point in time. You can still go back and find out this man was out here. He he was doing the Odell Beckham Jr. catches before Odell Beckham Jr. was even thought of in football. You mm-hmm. know, it, it just it he's been doing. He started that trend on his. I'm he sure other people dude. did. He was that dude. I think people also forget that him and Julio Jones were the dudes in the NFL for a good amount of time. A long like, time. There was a lot of conversation of AJ Green's better than Julio. Julio's better than AJ Green. But it was those two dudes sitting at the top at the wide receiver spot in the NFL for a good amount of time. Yep. So I think people are quick to forget that as well just because of how quickly A.J. Green's career is derailed, and now he's with the Cardinals, and he's kind of a second thought at that position because he got D-Hop playing for the Cardinals now and whatnot, and he's not really that primary option that he used to be. So it kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit of his legacy, and people forget of kind of what he did. But at the same time, like, you go back and look at the stats. You go back and look at the highlights. He was that dude, and he yeah. – I mean, and that's why, again, you make the argument – he probably was the most talented. There's, I mean, it's neck and neck for sure with AJ Green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's close. And once again, like I, I, when when I was looking over the stuff on there as well, Heinz Ward, like I said, it was a lot before my time. So the only stuff I've seen is highlights and stuff like that for obvious. Or well, well, we did get to see him for a few years in the NFL before he retired. I remember when he was still playing with the Steelers and before he retired mm-hmm. and all that. I got to see a little bit of his NFL career. So with that kind of stuff, I, I wasn't aware of how much he did at UGA at different positions. Prior to this discussion, like prior, I started looking stuff up today, and that's when I found out that the man played running back, and he played wide receiver, and he played quarterback. That I didn't realize that, and that's because of that recency bias on it. That's, that's why you have to do more research before you necessarily make that declaration of who's the best of it because there are things like that that, to me, that sticks out. It does, and when you phrase it as the most talented, that's one thing. To me, I don't know that he was necessarily the most talented on a personal opinion. He was definitely the most like versatile by far. I don't know that the other guys would have been able to do what he was able to do because it takes a different type of player. You don't see that many players in the NFL today even switching between running back and wide receiver. You no. see uh, Debo Samuel is doing it, and then you got Cordell Patterson, who's that weird like position between flex two. Guy, Just a man. flex guy. Yeah. Think about fle- like fantasy football. If you ever play that, you can put a running back or wide receiver in a flex Tight position. End, whatever that's your flex guy. You know, the Heinz Ward is your flex guy. You know, that that's, he's very versatile and that's where he does get a little bit of an edge for, you know, the conversation. I agree. Heinz Ward was the definition of putting the team on his back. I mean, anything and everything he had to do, he was the guy that did it for Georgia during his time in Athens. And that's again, why I think he is the most talented wide receiver. You got anything else to add on this topic, Jeremiah? I sure as heck don't. Other than you're wrong and I'm right, (laughs) Heinz Ward is the rain. I think he takes the cake on this one. So, but without further ado, we're going to start. We're going to close out this week's episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun topics. We had a lot of fun talking about them. Hope we gave you a good rundown of the NFL Combine, what to look for there. Indulge in it, reminisce in it, get one last look at those guys before they're in in an NFL uniform. And then, of course, get ready for spring football because it's coming up fast and it's going to be a great time. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all of our socials at Dogs Daily POD or Dogs Daily Pod as Jeremiah drops it down there at the bottom of our screen. And then also just like the video if you can. That helps us out a good bit as well with our exposure, putting us up the ranks on YouTube. And um, yeah, that's it, Jeremiah. What you got for us? All that good stuff. And just a friendly reminder at the end of this, I know we didn't get into it. We had a more football-heavy conversation today. Don't forget about that Georgia baseball team. Coming up a big matchup this weekend with Georgia Tech, which is a huge – I know in football, Georgia Tech's not good. They actually have a good baseball team, Mm -hmm. a top 10, I think, top 15 baseball team. 
Um, so that's a good matchup to watch. It's You're used to seeing a bunch of kind of no-name teams, low-level teams that you play at this time of year, but that's one matchup that I always love to watch at this time of year because it is an in-state rival. It is a weekend series where they get to play. They've, they've changed, I think, officially last year is when they started doing it where they did a, a full weekend series rather than a midweek game yeah. three different times because before they would do Georgia Tech one week, Athens one, one week, and then uh, they would play at like Truist Park one other week. Mm-hmm. This time they're playing – they are playing at different places. They are alternating, but they're playing all three of them consecutively. They play at Georgia Tech on Friday. I think I think it's Friday they play at Georgia Tech. Then they play in Athens on Saturday. Sunday they're playing in Gwinnett. So check that out. Make sure you keep up with it. They are balling out. They're 7-0 so far this year. Not to mention, it doesn't look like MLB is going to be starting anytime soon. So if you want to get your baseball fix on, college baseball is a great place to start. It's a great way to fulfill those baseball needs. And like we said, it's a great atmosphere. They got, Georgia's got a great team. It's just fun to keep up with. So do your best and head on over to Foley Field, catch a game, grab a beer, do whatever you want. It's a great time. Check it out. Indulge in it because, like we said, they're going to be. It's a really talented team. They're a lot of fun to watch, and I have a feeling they're going to be making a deep run at this College World Series. They've got a lot of talent this year. Jonathan and I actually went and sat out at the game on Friday and watched Jonathan Cannon go out there and pitch eight in a third innings. He had and a perfect I, game going into the sixth inning. Yeah. And then he finally gave up a hit, but still just yeah. al- almost flawless. It was, it was a beautiful Yeah, he had, I think he gave up two hits, I want to say, mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, no runs allowed. Nope. And then he got taken out after that second Absolute hit that he allowed. Gym. Yeah, he, he played a – he pitched an incredible game. So he's going to be a fun one to watch. I think you mentioned this the other day. He is a top 100 prospect on yep. uh, the pipeline. So keep an eye out for him as well, but that's all I've got so far. Close us out, buddy. Well, as always, you guys, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stod 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs. <laughs>